sit down and buckle up. It's time for the Pirate Monk Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Pirate Monk Podcast. Hey, I'm Nate Larkin here with your friend and mine, Aaron Porter. Boy, we are still kind of uh, reverberating to the slap heard around the world. Uh, Aaron, it's how many days have elapsed since? Uh, oh my goodness! I guess it was last Sunday, so like five, six days. Yeah, yeah. Now it's it's going to be a week's hence that the listeners. Yeah. Uh, um, by then, it may have faded somewhat from memory. So remind us of what went down five days ago. Right. So, okay. Uh, <laughs> as if people don't know, it's going to be boring. But yeah, Chris Rock made a joke. Uh, yeah. As far as we know, he didn't know Will Smith's wife had this uh, disease that affected her hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then Will Smith came up, slapped him in the face. Right, and right, went right. back to his seat. And yeah. poor Chris Rock. I can't imagine having the guy that just hit you like yeah i've i've been hit before you're pretty shaken up like you yeah, know yeah, 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 adrenaline yeah. pumping he i i didn't think one way or the other about chris rock in particular except yeah, why yeah, did yeah, he yeah, do yeah, grown-ups yeah. too um yeah, yeah, yeah. but he was <laughs> like the speed of his brain to overcome his emotions yeah. Yeah, was yeah. insanely genius, and I don't use yeah, the word yeah. genius lightly, but I yeah, don't yeah, yeah. know how he pulled that off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. He said something like, "Holy shit, Will Smith just slapped the shit out of me," or something. Well, like that. and yeah. then and then there were just other moments where he said, "I could," and you could tell he was about to say, "I could tear you oh, people yeah, apart." Yeah, 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 and yeah, all yeah. he got out was like two words, and then he just like course corrected. Nope. Yeah, that's not what yeah. we should do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so anyways, then Will gets up and does his acceptance speech, which right. was full of talk about the word protect came up repeatedly. Yeah, Like right, this yeah, is right. my, it was not an apology as much as an apologetic for what he had just done. Right. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we are only bringing this up right now because I, th- I think there's something important for us to learn. He wrote an apology on Instagram. <laughs> I'm sorry. I hate social media so much. Why <laughs> this would be the place to do that. Anyways, um, and I want to get your take on it. Not because I think we should spend a bunch of time thinking about Chris Rock and Will Smith, yeah. um, but because I think I have been guilty of sucking at apologies and oh, yeah. and uh taking ownership and having true confession again right, confession yeah. being to agree with the right, other yeah. party as to what happened yeah and i'm i'm watching this man i don't know will smith uh at all so i don't know what's right. going on with him but i'm it's clear he is struggling with how to do this uh-huh. and i think his struggles are common i don't think he's struggling because he's rich and famous and out of touch although clearly he is from the actions, but yeah, yeah. I think this is a common struggle. So let me just read his apology, and I want to get your take on it. Okay. Uh, so here's the apology. Jokes at my expense are part of the job, but a joke about Jada's medical condition was too much for me to bear, and I reacted emotionally. I would like to publicly apologize to you, Chris. I was out of line, and I was wrong. I'm embarrassed, and my actions were not indicative of the man I want to be. 
There's no place for violence in a world of love and kindness. Violence in all forms is poisonous and destructive. Uh, and then it goes, the Academy produces the show and all the attendees uh, and everyone watching around the world. As I want to, I deeply regret that my behavior had stained what was otherwise a gorgeous journey for all of us. I am a work in progress. Okay. All right. So what, so what do you see as the common, like, huh, yeah, here's, I mean, we can both agree that apology sucks, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Although you might, uh, I don't, oh, maybe it's uh, because it sounds so much like my apologies that I don't want it to suck too bad. <laughs> oh, 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 sweet, <laughs> sweet baby boy. <laughs> uh, but kind of okay. Why? Why? Why does it sound? Yeah. Why does it sound like your apologies? Uh. Oh, you know, I was out of line. Um, I reacted emotionally. Um, that's not the person I want to be. Uh, yeah. Okay. So those those types of words. Especially, yeah. and, and I was talking to my son and daughter about this. Uh, we talked through this apology, and mm -hmm. my son said, well, he said that's not who he wanted to be. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and he says, I'm a work in progress. Right. He, so, said, he said both of those things, to which I said, right. those are great things to say six months from now. You right. can't say that's not who I want to be because it, it is who you just were 48 hours before. We're right, talking right, about right. who you were not right. who you want to be. So a confession has to be an agreement about a moment. Yeah. And I think what you're describing and what sat uneasily with me is this is a whole lot of trying to jump past the moment of confession into, but here's the future. Let me give you the future right. ideal. Right, 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 right. right. Is, is right. that what, what you're talking yeah. about? Yeah, I think so. I think so. And not, uh, not entering fully into the emotional experience with the person who I have uh, somehow failed or abused, uh, uh, hurt in some way, wounded in some way. And I don't have an emotional connection with them. And I'm not, yeah, they don't feel, uh, they don't feel heard. And by them, by they, I mean, Allie. Yeah. Right. And, 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 to, and, and to be clear, I've, I've never uh, slapped my wife and uh, that's not my modus operandi, but I, but I have done, uh, you know, harsh, cruel, uh, unthinking, unkind things. Yeah. Well, I mean, you are, uh, we're both old enough that there's no way we haven't hurt people. Right. Right. Lots, exactly. Lots of people. Yeah. I think, so I think it's interesting that you connected with that part as your kind of go-to yeah. In an apology. How can, how yeah. can I, it's really minimizing this moment, which uh -huh. is, which is what robs a person, the other person of healing. Cause right. you're like, Hey, can I skip ahead to tell you how much better it's going to be? Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, well, I'm kind of crushed right now. Can we do crushed yeah. right now? And you're like, no, no, yeah. crushed right now makes me feel horrible. I'm, I'm moving ahead. I, I don't, I, that was not my thing. Um, I more resonated with this first line where he starts the apology with jokes at my expense are a part of the job, but jokes about Jada's medical condition was too yeah. much for me to bear. And then the yeah. next one is I'd like to publicly apologize. And right. Like, right. Wait, wait. After blaming you. Right. Yeah. And I think 
I think that was just like really obvious. I, I would hope that my bullshit apologies were more subtle than that. Um, <laughs> but I, I resonate with the, let me set the stage for this. Right. Yeah. Right. So yeah. that I can then go into a full confession, but it's already been minimized by how I set it up. Right. Yeah, and, right. and really, I mean, that's just gaslighting, right? Mm-hmm. I, let me think for a second. Do I think I was a gaslighter? I never thought I was a gaslighter, but that's a form of gaslighting. And I think I, I have done that. I think I mm-hmm. have done that where it, how, how it is presented up front, you're building the framework for the right. apology. Right. That is already not a confession. It's already minimizing the offense. It's, it's a, rationalizing. It's, it's minimizing it, and it is. It's already slicing off a chunk of that ham and handing it to the other person and being like, "This will be your part now. Hold <laughs> that, and I'm going to apologize." Right. I'm yeah. going to apologize yeah. for this part that is now lighter because of how yeah. I've set it up. Yeah. Um, do you see anything else that that we should be aware of when we address our our relational failures with somebody else it's all right i mean we fail i hope we don't fail by slapping people um but we fail he's not he's not very specific in actually Uh, saying what he did it's all in kind of global terms like violence is always forms yeah okay that's that's huge yeah okay okay that pisses me off Uh uh-huh when he goes to violence in all forms is poisonous and destructive I'm uh-huh. like, I'm sorry, why are you taking the pulpit now? Why are you yeah, the right. preacher now? Yeah. This is an apology. Yeah. And 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 it does not Yes, it's vague, but it's it's vague to his own offense. There's no specificity to his offense. Right, exactly. Yeah. And and yeah. I yes, I'm glad you said that cuz that's the confession uh-huh. part. I agree yeah. to this. Let me say it. I want you to yeah. hear it. Yeah. And and one thing that I've learned means the world to my heart and that I, I have tried to think through as I got older was being able to say, if I was you, I would have felt the same way. Right. And that can be a, a total ripoff, like try to get out of it kind of thing. Right, right. But when it is honest, and, yeah. and it's not hard to get honest. Right. In fact, I'll throw this out as being kind of the foundation for that. I have found a commonality between myself and many people that when some hurt happens, but it's not what I meant, like what I said yeah, yeah. is taken out of context. It's not my first desire is to defend what I meant, not yeah. how the other person heard it. Right. Yeah. yeah. Which never fixes it. Saying that's right, not what right. I meant has never made a person go, oh, I was so hurt. But since you said it's not what you meant, I feel perfectly fine. Nobody yeah, feels yeah. fine. Yeah, right. There is an appropriate time to say that's not what I meant. Can I explain that? But it's not upfront. Right, right, right. Yeah. And yeah. so thinking through, wait, if I heard those words and I yeah. was that person, that's the key. Right. Because it yeah. doesn't it doesn't matter that if I heard those words, I wouldn't have taken it like that. Because mm-hmm. I'm not the one offended. They right. are. Uh, right, sure. And to simply think, wow, I know they are sensitive to these things. And I use that word. That obviously mm-hmm. pushed them towards that. 
Yeah, okay. Yeah. Then you can honestly say, it, okay, I get it. I, I said yeah. that. And if I was you, I would have felt like that. I'm so yeah, sorry yeah. that I used that word, that phrase, that I said yeah. it like that. I yeah. really didn't mean that, but I see how what I said made you feel that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's the lack of specificity here, where yeah. it just doesn't address him at all, except to say, I publicly apologize to you. Right, right. Now, the one thing we don't know is whether Will actually wrote that or whether it was written by his publicist and, and his lawyer. Um, and here's what I know. I have an inner publicist and an inner lawyer uh, that, that, that gets hold of, uh, you know, that just tries to finesse what I say in a way that'll put me in the best light and keep me, uh, out of terrible trouble. Give me a backdoor for an excuse. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I appreciate, uh, whoever wrote it doesn't really matter. It's just a horrible yeah. apology. And, uh, and, and I, <laughs> and I appreciated that, like, as I yeah. read it. I just thought, okay, this is useful. If there's going to be a horrible apology written to the world, I mean, even the fact that it says, I'd like to publicly apologize to you, Chris, makes me think like, why are we doing public apologies to you, Chris? Yeah, like, yeah. This, this is a very intimate thing that happened. Yeah. Um, but I, it caused me and my children to have some good conversations about yeah. like, okay, well, what, what does it mean? And mm -hmm. confession is if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I love mm. that because the first thought should be, wait, I thought I was forgiven because of Jesus, not because I confessed a sin. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I confess because I am forgiven, not to be forgiven. Right. The yeah. confession lets me experience the cleansing. Yeah. Without yeah. the confession, there is the, the Isaiah verse, Isaiah 59, but our sins have separated us from our God, and he's hidden mm -hmm. his face from us so that we cannot hear. It's not that God has ever turned from me because of my sin. We see that from the garden when he's walking to the sinners, not away. Yeah. But my sin will always separate me from God, not because of him, but because of me, because yeah. of my yeah. shame, because of that relational disconnect. And confession yeah. is one of the sweetest things relationally that we can do with any other human being. Yes. It creates vulnerability, true intimacy, and restores relationships. Yeah. Wow. So well said, Aaron. Well, one of the things that I am uh, particularly, you know, continually reminded of year after year after year uh, is uh, that as much as I love my wife and I love my kids and I love my brothers, I am not particularly skilled uh, at love. There are parts of it that I just suck at not because i'm a bad person uh i believe as our as our guest does that most of it goes back to uh childhood um we had eddie caparucci on the show mm -hmm. gosh a couple years ago when he uh he he has a he has a model uh that deals with porn and sex addiction that really centers a lot on childhood wounds. And I think that was what the first conversation was about. Uh, but come out of childhood experience, uh, Eddie says, in all his experience, his years of experience as a therapist and as a recovering person himself, uh, we wind up, all of us, with certain blind spots that, that kind of handicap us, that make it difficult uh, for us to love in the way we want to love. 
well, Eddie's written a great new book, and we'll hear about it in a moment. A very practical, very practical book because for he doesn't just point out the blind spots, but gives real down-to-earth practical antidotes, steps that we can take in areas where we're weak. So, uh, Aaron, you didn't get to be a part of this conversation. You were occupied. This was a a middle of the workday kind of uh, conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but Eddie is so jam-packed. This is the only time we could do it. Uh, He was good enough to give me uh, 45 minutes. We had the the conversation, and we're going to play that recording when we return on the Pirate Monk Podcast. Welcome back to the Pirate Monk Podcast, and so pleased to have on this edition of the show none other than Eddie Caparucci, uh, seasoned uh, therapist, teacher, leader in the, re- the world of recovery, and author of, of not a brand new book, pretty recent, came out in 2021, but I only recently discovered it, a fantastic book, by the way, called uh, Why Men Struggle to Love. Welcome, Eddie. Thank you, Nate. It's great to be here as always. I always enjoy our time together, and I look forward to some pretty in-depth and exciting conversation. Okay. Uh, you know, I felt, Eddie, like maybe you wrote the book directly to me. The more I read it, <laughs> uh, because if there's one thing that I am frustrated with on an ongoing basis is that I do struggle to love. It took, and, uh, you know, understanding that it's that very struggle that made me vulnerable to porn addiction and sex addiction to begin with. Yes, uh, absolutely. And, you know, Dave, you, you're not the first guy who said that to me. It's like, I think, <laughs> I think you wrote the book toward me because, again, as you well know, that those who struggle with this disorder, right. you know, I, I believe nine out of ten of them also struggle to emotionally connect. They have low emotional IQs. Right, 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 right. Which is uh, which is not a moral defect. It is simply the result of uh, experience, how they were nurtured and raised and cared mm-hmm. for. Uh, trauma certainly plays into it, and yes. it's a and it began long, long ago, long before they ever had their first date, long before they met their spouse, right. <laughs> long before their first sexual experience. It began with that little child. And of course, that's been your field of focus for a long time, uh, the inner child and inner child-based therapy. Yeah. Yes. So uh, let me ask you, first of all, uh, you've written a couple other books that were well-received. What what kind of drove you, what made you think, you know, it's, I really need to put this part of the story on paper? Right. Yeah, that's a great question. And, And the reason was pretty simple. The fact of the matter is, if we just work at trying to get people to manage the disorder, yeah, we are we are being neglectful. Yeah. Because again, as I said, large majority of emotionally, you know, uh, undeveloped, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah. But that emotional undevelopment leads to a host of other issues, such mm-hmm. as in the inability to sit with their emotional distress, 
of wanting to withdraw in certain situations or being aggressive in others. So here it is, their spouse is seeing them saying, and they're saying, hey, I'm no longer doing fill in the blank. Right. But they're not, but they're not seeing changes in other areas of their, of these guys' lives. And that, that leaves them scared because they're like, okay, wait a second. I, I, you know, if you're not chained in the fact that you still carry your phone around everywhere you go and you're constantly looking at it, you don't really engage me and the kid. You're not curious in what we're doing. You're not outwardly focused. If you're none of those things, then why in the world, if that haven't changed, then why should I believe you when you just say, well, I've changed, I'm no longer doing X, Y, and Z. So that, right. was the per- that was part of the purpose of the book. The other purpose was, to your point, this happened so long ago in yeah. our early stages of childhood development that these guys, they're oblivious, and that yes. word appeared very often in the book, they're yeah, oblivious yeah. to this problem that they have. And yeah. we have to fix it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I I, uh, I particularly love uh, the uh, the subtitle to the book, "Overcoming Relational Blind Spots," right, and reparenting the inner child. So yeah, so uh, this is nothing that a guy is doing deliberately. He doesn't. He's oblivious. He's blind. So uh, because we have not been uh, trained and nurtured and encouraged and helped and had our uh, vision opened uh, to life in, in all of its dimensions. There are, there are things that uh, the typical wounded guy, well-meaning, loving, well-intentioned, Christian, addicted guy <laughs> who makes a lifelong commitment to the perfect woman, um, if the ways in which – so anyway, you uh, – you wound up building a pretty extensive list of blind spots. You got 14 blind spots there. Yes. Uh, If you had to rank them, which would you say is probably the most common or the most destructive? I would say the one that most of these men juggle with, and and the number, the number one is fearful. Yeah. And and the reason number one is fearful is because number one, uh, fear runs through all of them. Okay. Okay. Fear is involved in every aspect of it. The second one I would pick is inwardly focused. Uh And again, this goes back to, again, and we'll talk about those early stages of childhood development in a moment, but this goes back to if I don't believe that there is somebody there to guide me along, to help me resolve the issues I have in my life, I feel, oh, I just got to be able to do this all on my own. Right. See, again, yeah. coping, coping mechanism. That's what we sure. develop. I have right. to do it myself. And when right. that happens, we become very inwardly focused. Yeah. And we're not really looking outward at what are the needs, wants, and desires of others because we're too focused on our own. So that's right. a very, very important one that I believe that we need to do. And then the other one is the idea of avoiding emotional pain. See, I think that when it comes to addiction, you know, 
the fact that avoiding emotional pain along with unresolved childhood pain point are two of the most of two of the key factors in the development of be uh, addictive behaviors. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, uh, one of the things I really love about your book, Eddie, is that you don't just diagnose problems, but you provide so, uh, uh, suggested treatments, things to do to make it right. better. At the end of every chapter, you've got yes. a full list of things that we can do to make things better, mm-hmm. uh, which is why I really want to, right here on the podcast, uh, recommend this book to Samson guys in Silas relationships. If you're kind of kind of floundering, like how do I help my Sile, uh move uh, to make progress in his personal life, in his recovery, and in his marriage? Uh, one possible way to do it, which I think would be very helpful, is to let's work systematically through the 14 blind spots and let's take Eddie's suggestion, uh, suggestions for, uh, uh, you know, help and treatment in each one. So let's take, for example. Uh, How about inwardly focused? Okay, inwardly focused. Yeah. Yeah. You so, know, look, so, you know, the reason I did this because how many books have you read, Nate, when it's like, oh, I can't wait to read this book. It's a great book, self-help. Yeah. And you get yeah. through it. And then, it, all right, they told me what's wrong. Yeah. But they don't <laughs> tell me how to fix it. And I'm like, I know what's wrong. I don't need that part. <laughs> yeah, now I, I feel a little bit worse, but I have more clarity on how screwed up I am. Right. Okay. So inward. let's look at inwardly focused. And what I did is I call them antidotes. And yes. each, each one has about anywhere between four and seven. And people don't have to use all the antidote. The reason I put them, uh, I put a lot of them in there was for, for each individual to pick the one that they'd be more comfortable with. Right. Uh, okay. So, yeah, for example, yeah. the inwardly focused, all right? Yeah. First and foremost, with the inwardly focused, because, again, we're very rational in our decision making because it has to be about us. Because, again, the coping mechanism was developed to be able to ensure our needs are met. Doesn't mean that that we want to be selfish. We don't. But that's just the way it comes across. So the first thing we need to learn is to slow everything down. There you go. I need to be able to start to focus on, you know, just taking that clock and letting it come to a standstill. And yeah. that's not that's not an easy thing because again, us folks who have addictive brains, we are compulsive and we just react versus responding. So yeah, it's yeah. about learning to slow things down. And I talk about a couple of those ways that you could do that. The other yeah. thing there is looking back and again, the idea of being the selfless selfless servant. Learn to serve. Step out of your inward approach and be outwardly focused. So therefore, we're going to look for those things we can do to be able to serve other people, understanding then, wow, what I look how they make me feel. Although I've done something for somebody else, I feel great about this. I yeah, mean, I I'm I can't believe the joy and the satisfaction that comes 
out of serving other people. Right. That. The other thing that here, I'll just cover one more in this topic, and that is the inner child work. To yeah. understand why the inner child, the only inner child model I created is centered around why does sex have a strong hold on me? So therefore, why am I inwardly focused? And when yeah. you go back and you take a moment and then you realize, well, you know what? When I was struggling to figure out what do I do with this emotional distress that I'm feeling, people, nobody was there for me. They, they yeah. minimized my problem, like grow up, right. stop, you know, complaining. It'll be right. fine. You'll figure it out. So if I don't have that ability, okay, because then a child, if you think about it, if a child, we we're, we don't have a whole lot of worldly experiences. And right. two, we're more emotionally based in our thinking than we are cognitively based. So therefore, right. I'm sitting with this emotional pain. Like, for example, let's say you're, you're, uh, the neighbor next door, your friend, took your Nerf gun, he broke it. And you come okay. home and you're crying to dad about it. I can't believe it. Billy broke my gun. And your father's like, well, why did you give it to him? Why did you let him? You shouldn't let anybody play with your toys. You know, that's your yeah, fault. Yeah, yeah, How yeah, stupid yeah. you are. Well, you're not getting another one. And I don't want to hear any more whining about it. Go to your room. So yeah. now you go to your room. You're still now. Not only do you just have to deal with the pain that your toy is broken. Now you're sitting there with the pain that your father's upset with you. That somehow your fault. So yeah. now, again, I don't have the worldly experiences. I'm more emotionally based. I don't want to sit with this. What the one solution a kid comes up with to be able to deal with it? I won't think about it. Right. Yeah. And then how do we go about not thinking about it? Too much food, too much TV, too many video games. Go on and on and on. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. distract myself, right? And yeah. that's what we do. We take that into our teen year our adult year, and now we're dealing with addictive behaviors along the way. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. those those are three of the different antidotes. And as I said, each one of the blind spots have anywhere between uh, four and seven. Yeah. You know, I had a conversation yesterday with a good friend, uh, and he had, uh, he just had a conversation with his 15-year-old son, occasioned by the news, that uh, the unexpected news, that his ex-wife was going to remarry. Mm. Uh, and so, you know, got with the son and said, you know, how do you feel about it? And the kid said, oh, you know, I'm just trying not to think about it. Mm. I'm just going to not think about it. And his dad gave him this great advice. He said, look, um, that really is not an option. Mm. Um, you're going to have to, you're going to have to deal with the, you're going to have to deal with those emotions eventually. Right. Uh, and the, the price is lowest right now. Uh, but if you don't deal with them now, then you're going to be my age and probably dealing with some and certainly dealing with some you know, burned years and dealing with some other unwanted destructive behavior mm-hmm. uh, until you finally you go to talk to somebody like me to try to deal with it. And, you know, so I gave the guy a pat on the back and said, man, what great fatherly advice was wonderful. And he laughed. He said, yeah, but he's 15. He doesn't listen to me. Uh, but I, I still thought it was uh, wonderful counsel, wonderful advice. And I'm optimistic that the boy did. I mean, he's going to get some help from a supportive parent mm-hmm. dealing with the pains of uh, 
of childhood. Boy, that inner child work is uh, so fundamental, so foundational. And it not it crazy that so much of our self-destructive and destructive adult behavior has its roots that early? Um, but once again, we go back to that, Nate. We're, we're oblivious to it. We're oblivious yeah. to a lot of those uh, unresolved childhood pain points because we've done such a great job of repressing them for yeah. decades. And so now here comes this negative event out of left field. It could yeah. be anything. You don't have to be a major. And your yeah. kid jumps into your storage unit. He pulls something out that looks very <laughs> close to it. And now all of a sudden your anxiety or your yeah. level of discomfort Start yeah. to get higher and higher. And what do we do? We just run. Because yeah, we're runners. Right. Yeah, I don't want yeah. to think about it. I don't want to deal with it. I just want yeah. to soothe myself. Yeah, yeah. And, and I want to make sure the listeners follow. So the child goes to the storage unit and pulls out something. Talk some more about that. Yeah, so let me let me give you an example, okay? Because I think that might help people. So let's say you, know, you have this uh, good friend of yours as an adult, right? And you guys have a falling out. One day uh-huh. you're walking along, you run into each other on the street, start talking, said, you know what, maybe we need to get together and just see if we can work this out. Great. Yeah. Schedule lunch. The day of lunch, he calls and he goes, hey, look, something came up, can't make it. I'll call you back. We'll try to reschedule and boom, it just hangs up. Very yeah. abrupt. And you're yeah. sitting there and you're like, hmm, wow. Now, now you have a level of discomfort with one, you're disappointed that you don't go to yeah. lunch with him. Uh, two, it was so abrupt. Three, yeah, yeah. you're almost like wondering, did I get blown off? Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like this. Well, your kid reaches into the storage unit and he pulls something out of a time when you were 10 years old. Yeah. You, you went down to Bobby's house and you knock on Bobby's door to see if he can come out. And he opened the door and there's Bobby with three of your friends. And yes. you're sitting there and say, what are you guys doing here? And he goes, so we're just hanging out. Because how come nobody called me? And everybody just shrugged their shoulders. Like, oh, I don't know, yeah, yeah. whatever. And then, well, can I come in? And Bobby goes, no, my mom said we can't have any more people. And he slammed the door in your face. Yeah, right. And now you yeah. start walking home and you're wondering, how come people don't shake me? Why do I always have to go after them? Are they in there laughing at me right now? You know, maybe yeah. tears are rolling down your face. So what's happening, and you may not even be aware of what your kid pulled in. Your inner child pulled out of that storage unit. But yeah. all you know is your intensity right now, your discomfort is continuing to rise sure. based on right. that phone call. Right. And it gets to a point where all of a sudden it's like, you know what? I'm not, I'm not I, I got to go do something. Uh, there you may pick up your phone, start looking at porn. You might get yeah. onto a site or, you know, where you try to meet someone, whatever it may be. Because sure. you just don't want to deal with the emotional discomfort. Right, 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 right. And part and of the inner child program is teaching people what do you do to change that and alter all of that. Yeah, 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 yeah. How do you how do you interact with the inner child as an adult? How do you process the present experience? All right, all right. And you uh, have to you have to take. Got to remember. The inner child, very emotionally based thinking. Yeah. The inner right. child is what I feel. 
Okay, okay. let's go back to that example I just gave you, right? What do I feel? I feel dismissed. Yeah. I, I feel, you know, that I'm not wanted. I feel undesired. Okay, you yeah. got all these feelings. You know, I feel like I, I got my expectations up for doing it, and he just doesn't want to, you know, be my friend any longer. He doesn't really want to work this out. But yeah. what is real? And mm-hmm. if I tell my client what you feel versus what is real are usually two entirely different situation. So what yeah. we're doing is we're going to slow everything down because usually Nate, if when we're, we're sitting with the feeling, that's when yeah. we run off. That's when we run off. That's when we yeah. go and do something. But what we're going to do now is we're going to put in this speed bump and we're going to say, okay, I feel this, but what's real? And yeah. so now I start thinking about it. Well, you know what? You're in a hurry. Yes. He, he did, you know, just hang up on me abruptly. But he did say he was going to call me back. He yeah. said he wanted to reschedule. So you know yeah. what? Maybe, and now we go to the next step here, have I slowed everything down, it with rational thinking. Now I'm doing right. rational thinking instead yeah. of my adolescent thinking. You know what? Let me give him a couple days, and I'm gonna. if I don't hear back from him, I'll call him. And if you yeah. give me another excuse, what I'll do is I'll just say, well, you know, maybe now's not the time. Maybe you need more time to you know decide whether or not you want to get together and try to work this out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <sighs> wow. Okay, there. I feel better. I've calmed yeah. down. My my emotional discomfort has been reduced. And yeah. therefore the likelihood of running off and doing something destructive has also decreased. Yeah, yeah. How important or how helpful is it to have uh, another voice in your life when you're processing these kind of things? Oh Being my able to gosh! Pick up the phone <laughs> and talk to somebody else. <laughs> you know the answer to that one. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you yeah, got, yeah, yeah. You got to do such great work in that area. I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. It is vital. Yeah, uh, yeah. I I believe that community including like you guys with your Silas, having that yeah. one individual I can talk to you. It, it is a requirement. Yeah. It's not a nice to have. Yeah. It's not yeah. a, well, you know, if I get around to it, if yeah. you do not have community, if you do not have that one person you can lean on, you're going to struggle. Yeah. People yeah. are going to yeah. struggle. Yeah. The lone wolf fails. So yeah, therefore, yeah. to have somebody who I can sit and maybe call up and say, hey, you know what, I was going to get together with your friend. But, you know, because remember, if you're emotionally based, you're not thinking rationally. So right. if you're able to talk to somebody, maybe mm-hmm. they can help to give you yeah. some rational ideas. Do you have to do it all the time with this process? No, but wow, it really does help you if you do. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now your book, uh, as as I read through it, maybe it was just the perspective I was coming from, but it seemed to me as though it's it's focused largely on uh, the married guy and the guy struggling or the guy in uh, a committed relationship. Yes. And he's finding a, and, you know, we've got this partner, this spouse who's been betrayed, dealing with betrayal trauma, rebuilding trust, wants to reconnect, wants to see fundamental change. Uh, and so we're giving good coaching. 
uh, that's a that's a word I would use to describe your book uh, I, and describe you. I want to call you Coach Eddie. I really do. <laughs> hey, I mean, I know I got. I also have a coaching certificate too. Okay, do you? so I'm certified in coaching also. So I yeah, could God. I could I could switch either hat on. Okay, <laughs> I mean, there's just there's just great coaching in this book. Hmm. Um, it, it seems to me. I mean, uh, it's. You know, the, the relationship I have with my wife is sacred and she is my best friend. And there mm-hmm. are things about her that I will and about us that I will never divulge to anybody else because it's intimate and private. However, at the same time, um, I find it incredibly helpful to be able to process my marriage, my love for my wife and the daily struggles that I have and the failures that I have and the miscommunications and that kind of stuff. Uh, Communicated in a respectful way, though. Mm-hmm. to a brother who um, it, and I'll tell you what it, it, uh, my wife does not object she now really feels as though she's got multiple brothers-in-law who she can kind of rely on to help keep me centered and straight and correct mm-hmm. me when I start to miss it and they'll be her advocate when I start to lose my shit yeah right. yeah um, all right so Let's pick another uh, pick another blind spot and talk okay. about it. Let's uh, let's take a look at a low emotion like you. How about okay. that for for one? Um, yeah. With a low emotion like you, what that means is there's three things that a guy struggles with. One, he can tell you if he's happy, sad, angry, or afraid, but he can't <laughs> drill down. Can't drill down. And tell you what he really feels. And right. for those, there are some who might be able to say, you know, I, I feel unwanted, I feel unlovable, whatever it may be. They have a very difficult time expressing it, being yes. vulnerable. Vulnerability, right. being vulnerable is like a dirty word for guys who have low emotional IQs. It's like, I right. can't do that. Um, yeah. And then the last thing is, if someone wants to be emotional with them, want to share right. their emotion, it's very difficult because their anxiety increases because it's like, I don't know what to do with these right. emotions. And this yeah, is where yeah, we get yeah. the whole notion of, well, what do men do when a woman's struggling? I'll fix it. Yeah. Well, right, it's yeah. not like they're fixing it because, oh, I want to be the hero. They're fixing yeah. it because they want to lower their anxiety. Yes. And they just want this thing to go away. Yeah, and, right. And, or you may minimize it. Like, you know, it's not a big deal. I wouldn't worry about it. That's silly. Or yeah, they right. may just run away from it. So anyway, so when you get that low emotional IQ, first and foremost, the first antidote is to understand that you have to accept the fact that you have emotion. See, somewhere along the line, <laughs> they got the message, whether it was directly or indirectly, that emotions are not helpful and perhaps emotions are even unsafe. If yes, I share right. emotion, I could get ridiculed, I could get yeah. mocked, whatever it may be. Yeah. So therefore, what they do is they shut them down the or, or to feel bring pain. And I don't want to feel I have any pain. So I don't, yeah. I don't, I stop feeling. Well, yeah, they right, need right. to start to understand that, well, you know what? You may have done a really good job of not trying to identify or express those emotions, but they're still there. 
Yeah, they are yeah, running right. underneath the surface like like a program runs in the back of your computer or your phone and drains yeah. it. And yeah, that's what yeah. they're doing. They're draining you. And when you get drained mentally, emotionally, physically, or spiritually, bad things happen. Yeah, because the right. brain is screaming for stimulation. So therefore, to, to understand they're there, you need to be able to start to tap into them. And two, the danger that you thought existed at one time is no longer here any longer. Yes. Okay. So therefore, let's try it all over again. Yeah. Uh, another antidote is sometimes for guys, I got to tell you, I've actually with guys who I, I truly, I'm being honest. They cannot tell you an emotional word beyond those four I gave you before. They just right, don't yeah. know what they are. That's why we give them feeling wheels. You sure, know, right. Wheels yeah, with yeah, all that yeah, stuff on. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. what I teach them is, again, being a cognitive behavioral therapist, I believe it's the way we think that drives how we feel and how we act. So what I say to them is, all right, you know what? Give me a thought. Don't, yeah. give, me a, don't give me emotion. Give me a thought. If they're quick with that. They can do it. Then it's like, okay, so let's take this thought and let's start to dissect it mm-hmm. and start to look at it from an emotional perspective. So we can oh, start yeah. to put words to all of that. Yeah. Um, and also to understand you have a range of emotion. Yes. And therefore, share, share with people, you know, whether it's that friend, a good friend, or your spouse whoever it is, to say, you know what, I'm struggling right now. I don't know what it is, but this is what, these are the thoughts that are going on in my head. Yeah. And then they can help you to process through that. So that's yeah. some of the antidotes for the low emotional like you. That's, that's wonderful. Uh, wouldn't you say that uh, for some of us, there is kind of like this, this the, the emotions get turbulent, uh, and so I'm not feeling one thing, one pure thing, but I'm feeling simultaneously a number of things that ambivalence actually is part of my mm-hmm. experience. Right. And so, but my temptation is I only want to own the positive ones <laughs> or the ones that I think are positive because I tend to think that some emotions are good and some emotions are bad. Right. And, and so, yeah, so I'll try to... Uh, yeah, be selective in the emotions that I will feel and the emotions I'll express. And that just, that doesn't go anywhere good, does it? That doesn't, that doesn't go well at all. Because yeah. again, God created us to be emotional beings. Should, yeah. we, should we live our lives based on our emotions? No. Yeah. No, we need rational thinking in there. Yeah. It has to be a balance between the two but see you're going back to again the roots of where this all began in the early stages of development you know parents are supposed to teach instruct and also nurture us in various areas that help us to grow to be emotionally connected being for example about teaching us trust and that trust yeah. is that I could trust people. And therefore, if I walk away from my parents as a child, I turn back, I know they're there. I can yeah. trust them. So therefore, I can explore and not worry about being abandoned. 
Yeah. Um, I can learn to emotionally regulate what you were just saying. I have all these different emotions. How do yeah. I learn to regulate them and mm-hmm. process them through? There's this idea of empathy where m- many, many men who go through this struggle, they, they're like, mm-hmm. I don't even know what empathy is. But yeah. to learn to be able to say, okay, that person's hurting or that person's struggling with something. And yes, I can get a sense of what that would be like. Yeah. Attunement that I can pick up what your mood is in a way. I could tell, you know what, you're off today, Nate. There's something wrong, yeah, yeah. man. Yeah, what yeah. can I what can I do to to help you? And then the one that I talked about before, which I think is one of the most critical, is sitting with emotional pain we yeah. not we're not taught how to do that so yeah. then we go back to what i said before what we'll do is we just run away yeah. and we run away from our pain and usually we run over time like your friend told his 15 year old the other day which was a great message what what we do is we run to very destructive things and in yeah. our case yeah. it deals with sex and porn yeah you know, one thing I really appreciate about your book is that um, you don't demonize parents. No, you uh, can't. So, so all of nobody gets through childhood unscathed. All parents fail. Uh, very few uh, do it deliberately. I mean, they're well intentioned, but uh, parents are wounded themselves and they have their own blind spots. That's really helpful to me. Now, at this later stage in my life, when I'm a parent and a grandparent and dealing with my favorite is my adult daughter. Uh, we picked her up at the airport yesterday. She's here for four days mm-hmm. with us. And she and I are going to spend the day together tomorrow. And, and uh, you know, I'm looking forward to have a chance to kind of have a conversation, uh, you know, at a level that I wasn't capable of having when she was a little girl. And she's done a lot of her own work as well, which, which mm. makes it easier. So uh, It's interesting you bring that up. I've yeah. heard that a great deal from uh-huh. men as they read this book, going yeah. back and looking not just about them, but about what they did, how those blind thoughts, some they can see some of them in their own adult children now. And yeah. so many of them are doing exactly what you're doing. They're going back and they want to talk about it yeah. with their kids. Yeah. Yeah. So I think yeah. that's great. I've never, when I wrote the book, I didn't even think of that concept. I didn't think about that idea, but I've been, I, I, I've just been very moved to see that God is using it in other ways also. Wow. All right. Well, the book again is Why Men Struggle to Love, Overcoming Relational Blind Spots and Reparenting the Inner Child. The, path, uh, the, the author is uh, Dr. Eddie Caparucci. Uh, a very busy man. Uh, so <laughs> grateful, Eddie, that you took the time to talk with us today. God bless you and your work. And uh, I hope that uh, God puts us together more and more as the years go by. I do too. And thank you for having me here. I always appreciate you know our conversation. Maybe. All right. Stay with us, listeners. We'll be back in a moment on the Pirate Monk Podcast. We are back on the Pirate Monk Podcast. (laughs) 
Well, I am I am sad that I didn't get to hang with you and Eddie. Uh, yeah, and I first met him randomly at that uh, what was that convention at the the Gaylord Opry Land yeah, Convention yeah, yeah, Center. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. that was uh, he. He's a fascinating guy. I loved I loved the specifics you're talking about and that yeah, list yeah. of specifics that he gives, which you yeah. you didn't do the whole list. So yeah, yeah. People, there is more, but that encompasses like. Like how, how about if we do this? How about if we do since since we didn't cover it in the in the conversation? Let me just list for you the fourteen relational blind spots that Ed Eddie lists. Yeah, uh, he explains and then gives an antidote for each one. Okay, all right. Relational blind spot number one: an inability to process emotional pain. I don't know blind- what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> number two: a lack of curiosity. He's talking also about being curious about somebody else, about your partner. I I love that one. That's yeah. so cool. Number three, an inability to connect emotionally. Mm-hmm. Number four, an inward focus. Uh, number five, limited interests and passion. That's an that's a fascinating one to me. Yeah, yeah. Number six, low emotional IQ. <laughs> number seven. Uh, it's a, it's a blind spot. He calls hide and lie. Oh gosh. I don't know anything about that one. Uh, <laughs> next one, lack of mindfulness. Uh, and then impulsive slash compulsive behaviors as a blind spot. The next one, fearfulness. Uh, and then he lists, and I think we got to do this, uh, mood disorders. Mm-hmm. Also, here's one, lack of contentment. Uh, and yeah. then the final the final two are hypersensitivity and a struggle to connect with God. And that, uh, that list yeah. that list is huge. Yeah. Like that that is a great inventory to take. Just yeah. just to go through that and be like, okay, hey, where am I at with, with each of these right now? I see that as a great structure for Silas conversations. Yeah. Let's take a blind spot week by week. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, man, we are already at the end of another conversation. Uh, it's been good to see. You. I, I tell you what, I am aching to get back to, uh, do, to do Tennessee. You, do you have a date? Uh, uh, yes, we, we are. Uh, who knows? <laughs> be, be, who knows yeah, that the, was a, that gate. was a constraint you said the word yes but there was yeah. no yes in your yes <laughs> that was a construction <laughs> estimate yes yeah 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 here's what i've learned it's all floats i just hope that by the time uh this episode is released uh ali and i will have uh escaped from florida we've made our way back to uh the new jerusalem in Tennessee, and I'll be able to see my brothers face to face again. Come over to your house and and uh, and sample your cooking. Well, let's let's do it. We'll start the water on boil now. Okay, all right. <laughs> okay, well that's it for this week. Uh, as always, uh, send us your feedback and any of your suggestions to Pirate Monk Podcast at gmail.com. And if you haven't already, do go to the platform where you access your podcast and give us a rating that will help other people find the show. All right. Until next week, then I'm Nate. I'm Aaron. And we are your pals. 
on the Pirate Monk Podcast. Yo-ho! The Pirate Monk Podcast is produced by members of the Samson Society. Send your feedback or questions to piratemonkpodcast at gmail.com. Please give us a five-star review on iTunes and share the podcast with a friend. For more information, please visit samsonsociety.com. <laughs>